The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narconon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Here we are again, another week for the book. I say that every time, another week for the books, but it is another but week But it is for another week for the books, and Absolutely we're here, is. you know, we've been doing this, this will, I think this is our 36th episode. I may have gotten my numbers a little bit mixed up when I was out of town, but this should be number 36, or it could be number 35, I'm not sure, but it's the one after last week. And, you know, we we just keep doing it and we keep getting the word out there. And I think that that's really, really what's important is yeah. that we keep keep repeating the message because obviously people need to hear it over and over again because there's still a drug epidemic in our still country. There. And so more and more people need to hear this message. It's like back, I think it was like the 80s where there was, they had those uh, public service announcements on TV with the star would go across the screen and say, the more you know. Yes. And yeah. I, think I feel like that's us. Yeah. Because, because it's like, <laughs> you know, no one else out there is going to do what we do. So we need to do it. That's right. And some people are and some people aren't. You know, one of the things I've noticed is that in dealing with drug addiction, a common theme is not dealing with a glaring problem. Right. And to a point, there's parts of society that's like we should educate everyone and let people know what's going on. And, you know, the more you know, the more you know, and the more knowledge you have, the more control and responsibility you can have over everything. But at the same time, it's like you've got another group of people that like don't want to even look at it. Right. Don't even want to acknowledge that there's this big problem. You know what? It's not affecting my family. So as we go into the holidays, sorry about that over there, but I'm just going to like see what's in front of me. And I, I want to strangle certain people like that because it's like that could happen to your family. And that's just, a, it's an irresponsible viewpoint. I mean, it really is because the truth of the matter is if, you know, if there are a million people out there who are drug addicts and they just don't happen to be in my family, mm-hmm. that's still like my country, my world, my, you know, my city, my county. And I, I have to take some responsibility for that, which is why we're doing this because you do it on a daily basis. Right. At Narconon, because you, you know, you, you work there, you're a staff member there. And so you're helping people on a daily basis, get clean from drugs and confront the problems for which drugs became the solution. You know, but for me, I just feel like, no, I don't have anybody in my family that's ever been addicted, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't take responsibility for those who do, you know, and, and this, the whole purpose of the podcast is just to give people help and hope, you know? Yeah. And I don't want it. And, you know, I hear a lot of never my kid, never my family. It absolutely could be at any point in life. It's not just like young people that get addicted to drugs. That's right. Well, there's lots of parents whose kids are addicted. There's lots of kids whose Whose parents parents are are addicted. addicted. Right, and a lot of times it's alcohol. You know, we always forget the Mm -hmm. legal drug alcohol, Mm -hmm. but it gets abused, you know? Absolutely. And And it doesn't, you know, people don't confront it because it's quote unquote legal. But if it's abused... It's not okay, you know, and and, the, and that person needs help. If you've got a family member who at every Hollywood ga- holiday, not Hollywood, ev- at every holiday gathering is completely wasted on alcohol, on whatever wine or whatever alcohol is available, that's not okay. No. That person has a problem. Yeah, and but you, I'm a functional alcoholic. I still have a job. Well, I love that excuse. Oh, there's functional addicts even, you know, who still have a job. You, There was probably a period of time during your addiction when you were working. Yeah. Until oh, it got uh, bad. I, I would debate how functional no? I okay. was. But like a good a good example is my, was my grandfather. Mm-hmm. My gra- um, It was actually, well, it was technically, technically it was my mom's stepfather, but I grew up with him as my grandfather. I didn't know him not married to my grandmother. Right. And 
he was a guy that did everything in excess. And I mean, like, everything was in excess. And even even drinking. But he was a doctor. And he paid his bills. He did everything. You know, his bills were on time. His bills were paid. He went to work. He handled his patients. He did all this stuff. But come nighttime and come a family gathering, it was like, oh, my God, what's what's he getting? What's he going to do? Right. Uh, and it wasn't something out of outrageous, but that's an example of someone that can function, but also have an addiction. Right. And, you know, I don't know that had he not died when he did, that the alcohol wouldn't eventually become a major problem for him. You know, a lot of people think that, oh, well, you know, if you have a job and you pay your bills and take care of your responsibilities, like how, I mean, would you really even call it an addiction? And it's like, well, absolutely, well, yeah. absolutely you would. An addiction doesn't mean you lose everything. An addiction yeah. just means that you keep doing something despite getting adverse consequences for doing it. And it's something you use to cope or deal with some other part of your life. And you keep engaging in this behavior in like a really compulsive manner. Right. I don't think it matters if you have money or you're or you broke, have a job. No, or you no, have no. a job or you don't or you're on welfare or you're not. It just doesn't matter. No. An addiction is an addiction is an addiction. At one point, it's going to catch up with you. You know, the idea of the functioning addict, that's kind of like a real relative. It's kind of, it's kind of relative. Well, it's it all, a, I think it's a way to almost like lessen the term it's a justifi- addict. It's a justification. It's a justification. That's yeah. exactly right. But an addict is an addict, you know. And Period. Yeah. Like, the, end of story. The alcohol, the drugs, the what, whatever have become a solution for some problem that they're not able to confront or willing to confront in their lives. And, you and know? those are always the interesting people to try to get into treatment because I'll have family members call and they'll say, he's a functioning addict. And I'll be like, well, what exactly do you mean? I mean, he takes, he takes care of his family. He goes to work. He does all the stuff. He then pays his bills. why are well, you calling me? Right. And that's what I asked That's them. what I would say. Oh, why are well, you calling me then yeah but then you find out the entire family is in discord right that the guy's in tons of debt right there's all this stuff going on well is that functioning and no i don't think so you it's know? surfacey it looks good yeah, i mean yeah. i guess on a surf a surfacey level you can say yeah well i'm a cocaine addict but i've got all my you know what together it's like well you don't really have your you know what together <laughs> because you're using coke that's not like a normal thing exactly and you've got a ton of those guys on wall street yeah that you know work tons of hours they're in their in investments and stocks and all that stuff and cocaine is a really 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 widely abused drug on yeah. wall street and a lot of these guys have big money big cars big parties big cocaine habits eventually it catches up with them it's like did you ever see wolf of wall street oh, yeah. yeah it's like yeah, that yeah, yeah. eventually it's gonna i don't catch think that was completely you. dramatized that particular that film i literally think that was spot on yeah to what was his name jordan belfort yeah, yeah, th- yeah. I think that was exactly what his life was like, and the fact that it did catch up with him. Yeah, yeah, it completely did. You can't use drugs without consequences, right? That's what I need people to really understand. It's like <laughs> this is terrible. One of the best one-liners I ever got about addiction was from my dealer, <laughs> and it was a, he was talking, <laughs> and, and he said, "If you're gonna dance with the devil, you have to pay the price." Yeah. And that stopped me. I was yeah. like, whoa. Because he was talking about opiate withdrawal. Right. And he's like, if you choose to dance the devil, you're going to pay, you have to pay the price. I mean, and and how true is that? Yeah. Because if you're going to dance the devil, you're going to pay but here, some. I'll sell it to you if you want it. Wow. Yeah. But he was, he was an addict too. Oh, yeah, there he was like, he was a guy that peddled his pain pills. Right. And it was like, well, why do you, and I could always tell when he was high, he want to be my best friend and talk to me. I'm like, dude, I don't even like you. Just, I'm trying to. <laughs> get drugs and leave (laughs) 
but he's but that one liner it stuck with me for it stuck with me for years yeah. because it made so much sense because he's saying if you're choosing to do something destructive you're gonna pay for it right at some at some point right. in your life you're gonna right. pay for that and that i thought that was some amazing insight from yeah. not a wonderful <laughs> not a wonderful <laughs> person but um, you know you were talking about wall street and i think you wanted to talk today about celebrities i did I did because another I keep I keep hearing about celebrity deaths. Right. Uh, I feel like this year and last year were some big years for celebrity deaths in regards to addiction. Heck yeah. There's been a lot of there's been a, there's been a few. I mean Tom Petty yep. was a longtime drug user. Yep. You've got Prince who is a was a bona fide overdose. Um, you've got a few other people and there was a recently a death of he's someone I didn't know but he was an up and coming rapper and. Uh, it, there, it's a. They think it's a Xanax overdose. So it's not just opiates that are killing people. Like I like to remind everybody every week. There's three different epidemics happening. There's the there's the benzodiazepine, like the Xanax and Valium and Clonopin epidemic. There's the meth, amphetamine epidemic, and then there's the opiate epidemic. Right. And this is the most recently claimed victim of the benzo epidemic. But it, it made me think about something. So this guy was found unresponsive on his tour bus somewhere in Tucson, Arizona. And he they the talk the toxicology reports haven't come back yet, but they're assuming it was Xanax based on the fact that he had a Xanax habit. Like a really right. bad Xanax habit. Now, I don't know if you remember, I think it was in March, there was that fake Xanax that was going around Florida. It was they looked like Xanax pills. Right. They were they were press stamped, scored, had all the designs on them that make it look like a real pill, except it was full of fentanyl. Okay. And so it killed I think we people. We talked about that. Yeah, right. it killed people all over the area in a very, you know, kind of relatively short period of time because people thought they were buying Xanax, except they're getting a fatal dose of fentanyl. I wonder if this guy got a hold of one of those fake fentanyl, fake Xanax pills and actually died from a fentanyl overdose. I wonder if we'll ever know. Well, we will because we will. we'll get the toxicology report back. Okay. Um, and we'll back, be actually able to find out what he took. But, you know, the idea is that celebrities die like, I don't know. I always remember hearing stories about like the Rolling Stones and these guys have done an insane number of drugs and they're still on there kicking, you know, doing their shows and they still go and people to a point think uh, celebrities are almost godlike. Like, right. Nothing really going to happen to them. Right. They're, they're celebrities. They're supposed to party. They do tons of drugs. They're rockers. They do whatever. And you never, back in the day, you didn't see a lot happen to them as far as drug addiction goes, but now it's like we've had a quite a few celebrity deaths in the last year or two to the point where it's like, I need to tell everyone and make everyone, you know, completely aware. Nobody is immune. Even celebrities are dying. Even celebrities who have access to the best high quality, non messed with drugs have the best entourages around them and the access to medical care and doctors and all sorts of stuff. They're still dropping dead. Yep. And these are people with zillions of dollars. That's right. These are people at the highest echelon of our society, meaning these are the highest paid, most revered people are celebrities, not like teachers, like I think it should be. Right. Um, but no, you, 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 yeah, they're like on a pedestal. Of course. Yeah. And they're still dying. Yeah. I mean, I remember when Prince overdosed and people just were beside themselves, couldn't believe it. He was an opiate addict? An opiate addict? Yeah. I mean, why is that surprising? They're human. They're human just like we're human. There's Kurt no Cobain reason. was Kurt a really Co- good one. Kurt yeah. Cobain. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a he was a long term heroin user. Yeah. 
and you know, from what I understand about the case as they left it, it was a suicide. You know, Kurt Cobain had a long standing heroin problem. Yeah. You know, John Belushi died of mixing um, cocaine and heroin. We had, who else? You could probably list a couple people. Well, Elvis had prescription drugs. Elvis, I mean, Elvis with quaaludes and, yeah. spe- and amphetamines. I think they're the Black Beauties. Yep. Back in the day, he was taking those. I mean, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Such a such a, a sad thing. I mean, just such a tragedy. Yeah. I mean, such an amazing actor in drugs. Drugs. Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Janis Joplin. Drugs. Drugs. Yep. All of them. Drugs. I mean, yep. that's. That's basically the state of our society. Is we're a completely drugged society. <laughs> Not completely, but there's a lot of them. There's a yeah. lot of them. There's a lot of people that are on drugs, and I feel like this this year and last year have been like the year of celebrity deaths because there's been quite a few all attributed to to drug use. Well, and some even accidental. Who was the guy? Oh, I'm so bad on names. Who was talking to his wife, and that was an opioid, an opioid overdose. And he was talking to his wife on the phone, and he sounded funny, and he was slurring his words. Oh. And she told him to go find him. He was, uh, you guys, okay, the listeners are going to be mad at me because I can't remember the name of the guy. But then they went and found him, and he was dead from an opioid epidemic. Huh. And she could hear that. Um, she could hear that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't right. She could hear that on the phone. Okay, his name is Chester Bennington. Ch- Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. I loved Lincoln Park. Right. That was so sad to me, but he was a he was a suicide. Stop. He was a suicide. No, he wasn't. He- I think it was an accidental overdose. Suicide. Well, yeah, it was a suicide by hanging, but it was because he was he was doing drugs. He was he I think he was on uh, lorazepam. Something it was a benzo. like that. It was a benzo. But yeah, it was but- a benzo. And the, and the wife thinks that the suicidal thoughts came from the medication he was taking that is a narcotic, is wide, is a widely abused medication. And it's just, I would attribute him to the epidemic as well. Just Absolutely. Th- I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's the drugs. I, you know, I, how he killed himself is fine, but it's the drugs that cause the killing. It's the same thing with these guys who go in, on these random shootings. Every single one of them they find out are on some kind of medication. Yeah. And and it's not, you know, people go, oh, it's the guns. No, it's not the guns. It's the drugs. And and that guy would not have hung himself had he not been on that medication. I yeah. I would I you know his I, wife was a big was a big proponent of the fact that like, yeah, I think it's a side effect of the, these medications he was taking. And it doesn't shock me, you know. Well, she could hear that he didn't sound right. When he are we didn't gonna... sound right, you know, and she knew that there was something going on. And boom, he walks into another room and hangs himself. Yeah. You know? Unbelievable. There's, there's, there's so many of these celebrity deaths. There was another one we were talking about. It was Jimmy Hendrix. Oh, Jim, uh, Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. Oh, another yeah. One, another one. You know? One. I, we could probably sit here and come up with them all day. Oh, because yeah. There's been a ton. Oh, yeah. Over, you know, the last 50, 60 years that yeah. all just died from the epidemic. and it, not the, the epidemic, but drugs in general. Yeah. And so it's like we have to stop thinking – that can't happen to us. It can't happen to them because it can. Right. And, you know, the fact that matters, like when a person starts using drugs and they really get into it, they, they lose the ability to say no. You know, Nancy Reagan back in the 80s had the Just Say No campaign. Right. If it were only that easy to just 
say no the first time and then just keep saying no and keep saying no at some level you don't have the ability to once you're addicted right that's you know i wrote a blog a while back called you know why can't they just stop because i've had parents ask me that about their children or kids ask me that about their parents. Yeah. Why, can't they see all the wreckage it's causing? Can't they see the damage it's doing? Why can't they just stop? And they can't just stop because it becomes such an ingrained compulsive behavior on top of the fact that, you know, it's how they deal with life. It's like, imagine, I don't know, imagine, <laughs> imagine taking something away that helps you deal with life on a daily basis. Yeah. Your car. Right. Your you know, your ability to your job, anything, take away your money. People don't understand that drugs are the way an addict deals with life on a daily basis. If you're to take that away, you're taking away the main thing that gets them through each day because they don't have the ability to stay, say no and just stop. And they don't have the ability to deal with life on life's terms. Right. And I I wonder sometimes if issues of miscommunication or lack of communication with those same people who say, why can't he or she just stop, is the root cause of why they got into drugs in the first place. There's a possibility. Like there's, there's a non-understanding mm-hmm. now of what this person's doing, but way before then there was some non-understanding or miscommunication, is my guess, mm-hmm. that led up to this. And, and I'm not saying that you know, parents are responsible for their kids who are addicts what I'm, because the addict has a choice to make. Mm-hmm. And when, if I were to go out and pick up a drug, that's my responsibility. Even if I did it because my husband yelled at me, sure. he's not responsible for that, no. you know, but I think that oftentimes there's a lack of understanding that happened way before the person mm-hmm. got into drugs yeah. for whatever reason. Whatever you know? discord was going on exactly. in the person's life. Yeah. The fact of the matter is when they tried drugs, there was something they couldn't deal with that the drugs actually helped them deal with. Right. And that's that's that then that starts the whole ball of wax. That opens the whole can of worms or I call it Pandora's box. Yes. Once that's open, it's very hard to close. Yes. And you know, it's I don't know. It just get it gets me frustrated when parents just lack such an understanding or family members in general lack such an understanding of what addiction is to say, well, they just need to stop and get a job. They just need to stop and do this or they just need to stop and do that. It's like, whoa, right. Stop. You need to just stop because you don't even know what you're talking about at this point, you know. And if they care, and if they don't get that from you, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the group that we we interviewed. Um, learn to cope. Right. Call a group like Learn to Cope and talk to all of these parents of addicts, mm-hmm. you know, who've been through this, and they'll set you straight. Yeah, they on give you a lot deeper under. Yeah, they can give you a lot deeper understanding of what's really going on because there, no addict wants to be an addict. Exactly. No addict enjoys what they're Ooh, doing. I'm an addict. I'm having so much fun in life. There's no fun. I mean, when you're an addict, although. You can't really, you can't stop using drugs. You still know in your heart of hearts that things you're doing are wrong. You know that stealing from your mom's wall is wrong. You know that pawning all your stuff is wrong. You know selling the Christmas presents. Selling the oh my god, you talked about that yeah. last time. <laughs> stealing all the Christmas presents. You know that all these scams and hustles you're doing. You know they're wrong, but you don't care. That's the thing because, because you that, have to get you have high. To get high. You yeah. have to get that drug in your system yeah. because if if you don't, you're going to be sick. And if you take a drug that doesn't cause that kind of withdrawal, 
you're going to be coming down so hard. You're not going to know how to, you're not going to be able to deal with life at all. It's going to be like everything is coming crashing in on you. So you have to get your drugs. It's not an option, but no one likes that lifestyle. And I need people to really understand that no addict has ever been found to want to be an addict or to enjoy addiction because it does start out as fun. It does start out sort of enjoyable as you get that payoff from the drug. It makes you feel good. But that goes away relatively quickly as the addiction really sinks its claws into you or sinks its talons in or sinks its whatever into you. It's hooks, Mm -hmm. you know. But conversely, even though no addict is enjoying it, for those people who are listening and going, well, then, why doesn't he or she just stop? They, because they can't. You can't. And well, people are like, well, I don't understand. If they don't like it, why don't they just stop? It's like smoking cigarettes, for instance. I think a lot of people can relate to this. There's tons of people out there that smoke cigarettes that hate smoking. Mm-hmm. Why are they smoking? All right. Oh, why don't you stop? Anyone out there that smokes cigarettes, think about that for a second. If you don't understand <laughs> why a person can't stop shooting heroin, think about why you can't stop smoking cigarettes. Or... You know, I'm 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 gonna break this down really easily. I'm gonna break down a craving for a person. I, I I one time had a family member say, "I don't understand how a person can crave a drug like that. It's so damaging. It's so deadly. It's so this. It's so that. I don't really get why they keep doing it." I said, "Okay, I want you to think about this. Imagine a time where you were really hungry, right? And you were running late. You had to get to work, and you grabbed all your stuff. You got to work." You somehow clocked in on time and you went to work. So you missed breakfast. So you feel your stomach rumbling and and you're pretty hungry. And then, you know, the day gets really busy and you come to your lunch break and your boss says, hey, you know, we got that deadline. I I need you to work through lunch and and you don't have any snacks in your drawer or anything. So you work through lunch. Now your blood sugar is kind of low. Your, your stomach's kind of rumbling. You're feeling like you really need to eat, but you just keep muscling through. Um, now it's 3.15 or 3.30 in the afternoon. You, go, you get that 2.30 feeling at 2.30. And you still haven't eaten. Now you're starting to get a little shaky. Now you're not feeling good. You're kind of getting a cold sweat. You're getting um, some racing thoughts, just feeling slightly irrational. You really need to eat something. Now and Then 4.30 comes and you can't take it anymore. You're shaking. You're you're like you're trembling with low blood sugar. You're you're imagining the biggest, juiciest cheeseburger you can you can get, and you're gonna get seventeen of them when you get out of work because you are that hungry. You are ravenous, and you know you know that to make all these bad feelings go away, all you need to do is eat, eat. some. You need to That's eat right. something. Yeah, anything. And then really. you get out of work, and you rush to the quickest closest drive through imaginable and you completely gorge yourself on the worst food imaginable on what a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> but you don't care and, but what but miraculously the sweating the nausea the shaking the irritability the feeling pretty you're feeling pretty irrational people get irrational when they're hungry you know it all, all that went away. It all went away instantly but here's the kicker in about four or five hours, you you're going to be, you're gonna be hungry yeah. again. Yeah. And so that's a way to really have people understand that because, you know, if you think about that person, if they couldn't get food when they got out of work, they would have gotten, things would have gotten worse and they would have gotten completely, completely irrational. Right. And completely beside themselves and absolutely crazed <laughs> until they could eat something. It's a good analogy. It's a good analogy. But it, it makes sense. Because, it, because truthfully, for an addict, 
drugs are as important to the addict as food is to you and me. Sure. I mean, it, it's, it is. And I mean, a- addicts and, forego food for and, drugs. Right. And that may be something that people don't understand. And I'm not even sure that I fully du- duplicated that, but I get that now that like, for me, I eat three meals a day. People sure. go, I don't eat breakfast or I can work through lunch. Great. They're good for you. I need, yeah. I need three meals a day or Absolutely. I'm not a happy camper. No, and no, no, my no. husband is, <laughs> is not a happy camper because I'm not, but it's similar uh, an addict drugs to them are the same as food is to me. And that I think that's a good analogy. And, it, for, it, and for anybody out there listening, going, why can't he just stop? Well, there you go. Can you just stop eating? Like for days and days and days? I don't think so. But think, but that's but that's the mindset a person goes into. And that's the physical feelings that they get. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, really, really rough. And you know, that's the thing about relapsing. I understand that relapsing happens when people try to get clean. But we've now gotten to the point where technically the court systems consider relapse to be a crime. And I'll lay this out for you. So a person's a drug addict. Okay. And they commit some crime. They get arrested. They go to jail. And they're put on probation. Okay. Now, one of the stipulations of probation is you can't use drugs. But they didn't go to treatment, necessarily. They weren't forced into treatment. They weren't court-ordered into treatment. Maybe their family couldn't afford to send them, and they didn't. And now they're told, okay, so the thing that caused you, the addiction that caused you to commit the crimes you committed to get on probation, you're now not allowed to do them anymore. So the first stipulation of your probation is drug-free. Okay, so <laughs> how do they really expect the person to do that? Because unless the courts say, okay, you're going to go to treatment, you're going to do this, you're going to get handled on your addiction, then you're going to go on probation, then you've got to pass urine drug tests. Right. Otherwise, it's a, considered a violation of probation, you end up back in jail. That's not the way it goes. People <laughs> get put right on probation from jail, and then the probation officers expect them to stay clean while receiving minimal treatment at best and maybe they're required to go to some AA or 12-step meetings and then lo and behold one day they come in and they give what's called a dirty urine which is a positive drug test and they're arrested. and they're right back in jail and then they're arrested with a, for a violation of probation same cycle over and over again yeah well so, I mean some courts are trying to like say maybe we should actually put people into treatment because otherwise they're making relapse a crime yep because you're put back in jail and I think that's such a messed up way to do things because do you know how many people are violated on their probation on a daily basis all over the country for dirty drug tests? Well, if they're addicted and they have not done treatment, duh. It's like the, why don't you just stop thing? Yeah. It's the same it's, mentality. It's exactly. It's the exact it's the same, same mentality. mentality. Just stop. Okay, now you are now you have to stop. Otherwise, we're going to arrest, arrest you. you. <laughs> but that doesn't, but that, you don't understand. That's not going to stop most people. Exactly. Unless they've been given treatment, that's not going to stop them. Because what have you given them other than an ultimatum? Because that's what you've given them. That's what you give people. I mean, you say, oh, we're going to arrest you and put you back in jail. It, it's just like, stop taking drugs. Why I'm you your just, mother. Stop taking drugs. Why don't you just stop? <laughs> well, geez. I, you know what? Why didn't I think about that before? You know what? I will stop. I'm going to just stop. No, you're not. Even if you end up on probation, a lot of people find it very, very difficult to just stop using. Right. You know, that's one of the things about outpatient treatment. You know, a lot of people I talk to don't know much about treatment. And I, I go over outpatient. They think, oh, that's great. They can stay at home and they can continue being a waiter or doing what they do. And they can go 
then go to an outpatient clinic and they'll be fine. I said, no, no, no. no. You understand. They're not going to get clean to right. go to outpatient. I mean, outpatient requires you to be clean. They drug test you and you get counseling, you get your meds or your whatever. And you go to a clinic about five times a week. But most people who are really in their addiction find it very difficult to um, to stop using in the same environment they were using in, go to a clinic and pass drug tests and go through all these um, these treatments with group therapy or medications or one-on-one counseling or whatever. And people think that's, they're going to be successful in it and they can't just stop. That's the thing. Outpatient was designed as a step down after inpatient, but now it's being used to replace inpatient therapy. Some people think, well, I'll just go to outpatient. I won't have to check in somewhere. I won't have to like get up and uproot myself and put myself in a different environment. I'll just you know, stay at home and keep doing what I'm doing and I'll go there. And the parents are like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm like, no, that's a freaking terrible idea. Because well, it doesn't work for eighty percent of the people. Outpatient was designed to something you were to go into after you did an intensive inpatient. There you it go. wasn't meant to be done first. My parents didn't know that and put me in an outpatient clinic as my as one of my first rehabs. I didn't do well <laughs> <laughs> because it was crazy. All the people were using. And they would drug test us. Say, oh, we tested positive for this today. How long do we need to get it out of your system? And I was like, um, what? I thought I was going to get kicked out. <laughs> I thought I was like, all right, here it is. I don't care. I'm totally like guilty of being high right now. And three quarters of these people were high and they were counseling us while we were high. And they didn't, they're supposed to kick you out. They read you this whole riot act about how like, if you give us a dirty drug test, you are done. And you were going to recommend you for inpatient. N- didn't happen. Mm. And, and it was just the weirdest thing. And so I find a lot of my time on the phone sometimes is convincing families like, okay, so this whole outpatient thing that your loved one has offered you as a solution is not a solution. It is a terrible idea because, again, you can't just stop using. And people expect people to. Yeah. Society expects people to be able to do that. And it's not something that's possible. Right. You and almost I- want to say, great, try the outpatient and call me when it's over. Because I guarantee it won't work. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not, especially not with the amounts of drugs that are not, on, not only continuously flowing through our society, but also the new ones that are getting introduced. And right now what's happening with fentanyl is similar to what happened with spice. So spice was a drug and then we it got banned then they changed it what was spice tell me about that one i've heard about it but i don't necessarily understand. so spice was originally was considered a a way to get a legal high you know there are people that are either on probation or playing professional sports and they're not allowed to use drugs and so it was originally considered like legal weed oh okay and it was uh a synthetic cannabinoid a cannabinoid's a uh, compound right, from, from marijuana. cannabis well, it was yeah. a synthetic cannabinoid sprayed onto dried plant material and then sold as like incense or sold as something other than what it was on the pack it would say like not for human consumption but you knew you were supposed to smoke it right. and it would get you high and it wasn't much like weed like it was kind of like weed a little bit but it was more like disassociative and then you know the dea and everyone caught on to like this synthetic drug that's going around like they banned it and so what they did was the chemist took that chemical and changed it just slightly so it made a completely different chemical now it's now it's legal again and then the 
DA would catch on to that and ban that chemical. And then the chemists would change it a little bit again. Right now, we're like 20 deviations away from what that original drug was. They don't even know what spice now is anymore. It's like a very unknown what it does. And it makes people crazy. Well, wow. Like spice is a drug that makes people crazy. Like, I don't know if you remember the story of a guy eating the face off a homeless guy in Miami. Yeah. Like years ago, that was spice <sighs> and bath salts. Um, that's like real, like it messed and up. And what were bath salts? I mean, I hear that and I go like, don't you put that in a bathtub? I mean, no. isn't that, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit ignorant. Bath salts are, are, were a drug called, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a type of drug in, in a class called cathinones. Okay. Now, cathinones are originally from a plant in Africa called cot, K-H-A-T. Now, there was a drug called methylone. That was, that's a cathinone. That was bath salts. And then they did the same thing with that. It was legal, banned it, changed it. Why did they call it bath salts? Because what that's how they marketed it. Oh. That's like how they sold it and like legally. You didn't put it in a bath. You, you can't, smoked you, it or ate it or whatever. Well, you can't, you can't put a packet of this stuff in a, in a store and say, this is methylone. You should smoke it and feel like you're doing meth, but you're not because it's legal. No, but you did, you did, you did smoke it or ingest you it or You smoked it or shot okay. it or snorted okay. it or ate it. Okay. And they sold it as a bath salt, just like how like spice was like a room incense. This was a bath salt, and it was all sorts of like funky varieties of it. You could go to a gas station or a head shop and yes, buy this stuff, or like convenience stores, right? And bath salts have done gone through the same thing that spice went through. It was a substance they banned it, they changed it. Now it's legal. Then they banned it, they changed it. Now it's a different chemical, but it's legal. And they did that a bunch of times. Have you heard of this drug Flocka? It's a thing in Florida. It's like. You ever see the video? There's videos on Facebook of people videotaping people in public that are abs. They look like zombies and are absolutely crazy and doing all sorts of weird body contortion things and they're looking like absolutely crazy. No, that's what bath salts has turned into. It's a drug called Flocka. They don't even know How what do you the, spell it. F L A K K A. Oh, wow. they don't even know. That's a, that's like the street name for it. But it's bath salts, and they don't know okay. what it is anymore. It was methadone or methadrone. I think those actually both those are both the same drug. And now it's been changed so many times. They literally don't know what this drug is anymore. They don't know how to deal with it. Like the weirdest part for me and for rehabs in general, synthetics pose a big problem is we don't know what to expect when they withdraw from it. Right. We don't know if it's going to kill them. Right. We don't know if they're going to have a variety of issues. And that's why we have nurses around the clock watching the people that are detoxing because especially with the synthetics, it's super weird when you see someone come in, they're visibly really high on something and they give you a drug test and they're negative for everything. Oh, wow. Because you can't test for these. Because you can't test for everything. You can't. Well, because we they come up with new stuff all the time. They're constantly changing the chemicals on these synthetics. We can't test for it because as soon as you make one test, the chemicals have been changed. Now you can't test for it anymore. Right. So it's like hard to keep up. But the scary part is fentanyl is now doing the same thing as those synthetic drugs is that they keep altering the chemical a little bit. So you've got these things called analogs. Right. They're called fentanyl analogs that are out now that are being made in China and they're coming out. And from what I've heard, it seems like the DEA doesn't have all of them on the DEA on like the, uh, they don't have them all listed as scheduled narcotics. Well, how could so, they? So technically some pe- people are selling a type of fentanyl from China that's not, say, fentanyl citrates, which you get in the hospital, or which you get from the pharmacist in the patches or whatever. Okay. That's fentanyl citrate. What now does that, that do? What that's do you... just a painkiller. Oh, it's a, pa- it's oh, a painkiller. So it's like a pain patch. That, the original fentanyl was 
a painkiller pain that oh. you either got surge like during surgery or after surgery, or people with like you know end of life pain or like severe, severe, severe debilitating Same as pain. Same like oxycontin. Yeah, they, it's in the patch. Okay, and fentanyl citrate is dosed in micrograms, not milligrams. Micrograms right. is a very, very, very strong substance. Right, and so when it started getting mixed into heroin is when fentanyl got the whole like oh my god this is a problem now china is the one mass producing fentanyl and they're they're using and creating multiple analogs or different forms of it and so the dea doesn't know what a lot of this stuff is and technically what a lot of these dealers are selling us killing people isn't technically illegal so it makes prosecuting them really difficult because what they technically just sold this kid whose family is wrecked by his death, you technically didn't do something illegal. Right. And that's like, ugh. Yeah. That gives me the heebie-jeebies. Because I saw what happened with Spice. And Spice is like, I don't know why anyone would electively smoke that stuff because people actually die from smoking Spice. Not even just all the psychiatric problems that you end up getting while you're under the influence. It's like, it's like it, spices actually kill people. Wow. They're just ingesting it. Bath salts makes people boo boo crazy. And like permanently? I don't know if it's permanently, but it's like definitely while they're under the influence. Right. I mean, I'll go through Facebook and see yet another video that someone took of the of someone being in a parking lot or in a gas station acting like like, like they're psychotic and then there's people on bath salts. It's like oh or flaca. It's like, oh my god, it's like really, really, really bad. And so they keep changing it. We've got these synthetic drugs running around the country uh-huh. that get banned and changed and banned and changed and banned and changed. Right. That we don't know what much of this stuff is anymore. That's the scary part to me is like, how are we supposed to fight the drug epidemic when new drugs are constantly being created every day? And now we're at the point where we've got three classes of drugs. We've got spice, we've got basalts, and we've got fentanyl. They have so many different analogs floating around. It's like, we don't know what half of this stuff is. Scary. And people are electively taking it. That's the part that I don't get is that new addicts are being created after seeing what's happening in the world with, with the epidemic. And it all comes back to it's innocent experimentation. At It'll the never beginning. happen to me. It'll I'll never, never become ha- an I'll addict. Never get hooked. I've got such good willpower. Yeah, I, I'll be able to stop. That's that. I mean, I think that that... Viewpoint sometimes happens with addicts in the same way. Like, why can't he just stop? Those are the lies we tell ourselves, though. Exactly. That's why. That's why I like the truth about drugs materials so much. You know, because always say they said one hit wouldn't hurt me. They lied. You know, I saw that one. That one's rough. Oh yeah, there's they're they're heavy duty, but that but that's the whole point because a dealer will tell you anything to get you to do it. It's a scary time. Yes, to do drugs now. I mean, when I was a cocaine addict, I never worried about someone mixing fentanyl or some crazy synthetic analog of fentanyl or anything else into the cocaine to make it more addictive. Like you worried about it being too weak. You worried about getting a bag full of baking soda. Now you gotta worry. Get worry. You have to be worried about getting a bag of stuff that will kill you. It's got rat so, poison in it. Or, or it has rat yeah. poison. Now you have to worry about it being so strong it's gonna kill you. Yeah. It's like the pendulum swung the opposite way. It's just really weird stuff. Yeah. Have you had guys come into the center like that are addicted to bath salts yeah. or spice? Mm-hmm. And spice you, is big, and I've seen spice like ruin people's minds. What do you, well? What do you see? Like, are there differences with the withdrawal? There can be. I mean, it can be kind of a protracted withdrawal or an extended withdrawal because it takes time for for the drug to break down and leave the body. And then when it's just left the body, you know, the person's mind and physical body have to heal 
right. from the drug. And so, you know, typically people on on uh, spice are are pretty warped at the beginning and it takes about two to three weeks to get them landed back down. And it's also because they've stuck this really foreign chemical into their body, more yeah. foreign than cocaine or heroin or whatever else. Yep. Um, and we have to watch them really closely because like I said, you know, the hard part about being in the rehab field with these synthetic drugs is we don't know what to expect sometimes with their withdrawals. And so we have to be really careful and play it by ear and we have to keep the doctor you know, around, we have to keep the nurses by their side 24 seven to make sure that they're safe and coming off everything. And, um, it makes it a bit tricky, you know, you see people affected for the, you know, there's some people that have gone through the program that the drug doesn't wear off their mind for the first two months. Wow. And then after they do sauna and they start getting into the objectives there, they kind of come out of it. Mm hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. It's difficult stuff. But Heavy duty. we're going to be here to consistently and constantly educate the public we'll about do it. what's going on in the world. And yeah. um, we'll do it again. I just look forward to keep doing this. Good. It's like my favorite thing every week. I, I like for- it too. I look forward to this Because every I think week. we're really helping people. And, Absolutely. And I know you see the people you help every day. I'm not in the center, so I don't see that. But uh, to know that people are listening. If it's a first step, if this is the first thing they can do is listen to the podcast and... Maybe make a phone call. Maybe yep. call the 877 number, 877-339-3324, or go to sun, narcononsuncoast.org. If that's the only thing you can confront doing today, do it today. It and won't. don't wait till after the holidays. I hope we have beaten that bush enough so that you have heard you are not to wait until after New Year's. You need to get your loved one into rehab now. That's right. And we're here to help. So give us a call. Okay. And I will talk to you next week. We'll talk again. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.